Cracked fans to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have an exceptional show for all of you listeners today as I am joined by 2015 NCAA singles champ, current WTA number 259, and a guest I have always hope to have on this show in, of course, the one and only Jamie Loeb. Now, since we had Jamie, we had to take the time to discuss her prolific collegiate career, talk about her transition from the college game to the pros and so much more. Again, it's an outstanding conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, a couple of quick plugs here. A, I know the mini break has been on a bit of a hiatus. Rest assured, listeners. It's picking up full steam again this week. So if you're looking for 2023 ATP WTA previews, that's the podcast for you. Of course, if you're looking to hear who our top 10 collegiate teams are heading into the 2023 season, all you got to do is hop on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. Myself, John Parsons, Chris Helios have broken down each of our top 10 teams heading into next season. I believe we actually have our top four schools on the men's and women's side still to go. But again, all of those preview pods available over on the Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, we've had so many phenomenal guests here on the Cracked Interviews podcast as well. Most recently, we had former world number one in doubles, and I say former because it happened back in October of this year. Rajiv Ram joined us on the show last week. If you haven't, be sure to go check that out. The point is, folks, we're rocking and rolling as we get prepared for the 2023 tennis world to begin, of course, on this show. Before we get to Jamie Loeb, I have to give a shout out to our dear friends at Swing Vision. You all know the deal. Click on the link in the description to this podcast. Use our promo code CRACK20 to let them know we sent you there. But with all of that said, enough beating around the bush. Let's get to it. My phenomenal conversation with the one and only Jamie Loeb. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with the one and only Jamie Loeb. A massive thank you to Jamie for tolerating all of my nonsense, taking the time to speak with us today. I know I speak for all of us here at Cracked Rackets when I say we are wishing her a successful 2023. Of course, with this podcast in the books, feels like a good time to quickly remind all of you, if you're looking for college tennis preview content, the GSP feed is the place for you. If you're looking for ATP WTA previews, Head on over to our mini break podcast feed. Folks, we are excited to get rocking and rolling with the 2023 tennis schedule just about set to begin. Of course, the reason we're going to be able to rock and roll here towards another season is because of the work of our outstanding super producer, Daniel Westoff, who, as always, has a fuck of an any job to do day in, day out. Shout out to him. Shout out as well to our friends at Swing Vision. Remember, Swing Vision at the forefront of all artificial intelligent technology development. Developments happening within the sport to learn more. Just click on the link in the description to this podcast. With all of that said, for the phenomenal Jamie Loeb, our super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. 
Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that 1, 2, 3% edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. They'll tell you exactly how many forehands, exactly how many backhands, serves, volleys you hit in the hitting session. They'll let you know your accuracy numbers as well. How many did you miss? How many forehands cross court did you miss in particular? All the information, all the nuance available in one location, folks, via our friends at Swing Vision. And I can offer a personal testimonial. Went on a club tennis trip back in October of last year. And one of my buddies on the trip, Kyle, says, hey, I've got this Swing Vision thing. I'm going to hit record. I'm going to turn it on so that I can break down my performances. All of us were jealous. All of us started using Kyle's Swing Vision by the time the hitting session was over. And look, again, I fell in love. It's the real deal, folks. If you want someone to record, break down your hitting session accurately, you got to turn to our friends at Swing Vision. And folks, it's extraordinarily simple with how for how you can get involved with them today. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. After setting up your account, you can get started. And of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount on a free four, and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling. Folks, you will not regret your decision to start playing with Swing Vision in the background. I promise you're going to have all the information you need. It's a product we thoroughly and full-throatedly endorse here at Crack Rackets. We hope all of you will start using it as well. Swing Vision, the place to be. Website to set up your username in the ad for this podcast. Read it. And again, $20 off plus a free 14-day pro membership by using that promo code CRACK20. Swing Vision. Get all the information, one location, with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast today is the 2015 NCAA Women's Singles Champion, the current WTA World Number 259, and perhaps most importantly, a fellow 1995er. Welcome onto the show, Jamie Loeb. Jamie, welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, you know, it's, it's been a long preseason, but we're, we're hanging in there. That's what I like to hear. Are you in New York for the preseason? I am. It is 
pretty cold outside. Um, I've been playing a lot indoors, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get in, uh, get outside into the warmth though. I can only imagine had the last four days, you just sleep at the tennis facility to not risk braving the outdoors. Um, honestly, <laughs> no, you know, I I'm, I'm still commuting back and forth, but, right. uh, yeah, it's, it's getting cold. Um, I'm getting paler by the day. So <laughs> I, I'm really itching to see some sunlight. Yeah. Well, you look majestic as always. It's great to have you here on the show. And, you know, you mentioned it's preseason time. I'm always curious, what does the preseason look like for you and for pro players in general? Because obviously tennis is the sport that never sleeps, right? You're working 11 months of the year through the schedule. Now that you have a month to yourself, six weeks to yourself, you know, your last tournament was that first week, second week of November. Did you actually take a few weeks off or are you just getting right back into it? Uh, yeah, I know. It's just tough. I feel like every year it's just you don't have you have like less and less time, um, especially where I'm ranked. But yeah, after Calgary, um, I took a few days or two days and off and I went to Banff National Park. So okay. like also a very cold place. Um, but I took two weeks off from tennis, but I didn't really have time to just, you know, chill out and like get away I kind of just went back into you know my fitness block because I basically had I would say four maybe four and a half weeks of training which really isn't enough Mm -hmm. um but you know got to work with what I have and um, I did two full weeks of fitness and then I started incorporating tennis here and there and then now I'm doing both tennis and fitness um but I did I did quite a bit of traveling I went to Virginia for a week and I did fitness with my fitness coach there I went to Chapel Hill had some exciting things going on there (laughs) which I'm sure we'll get into um but yeah I did training there too and I'm in New York so I've kind of been all over the place uh you know it's not like the typical like you know you're in Florida and everything is there I'm just kind of making things work so uh, yeah, it, it gets a little tiring on top of the actual on-court training. I like that your idea of traveling is Virginia to do fitness, Chapel Hill to do all sorts of things, and then back to New York <laughs> for more fitness. That sounds like a pro tennis player to me, but I'm curious, you know, looking back at your past couple of seasons, and just a warning, we're going to jump all over the place, but, you know, when was the last time you actually fully unplugged from the tennis world, not injury-related? When was the last time you were like, you know what? I need a month to myself because I just, to your point, it feels like that month in the calendar, if you're looking for it, it's never going to exist as a pro tennis player. No. Oh my God. A month. I'm just 97, trying to look- like 98. <laughs> How far back do you have to go? I'm just like throwing it back to when I was like eight years old in our family, we would take um, a vacation. We would go to Sarasota uh, during Thanksgiving. And I mean, but still like we would all play tennis because we we're just a ten- tennis family. But like it, I don't know. It just was, it was our vacation. And I don't really know what a vacation looks like anymore. Uh, I've just kind of normalized the schedule and it's, it's tough. And unless, you know, you're top 50 in the world and um, you can afford to take time off or play a certain schedule, then like, it's just... Yeah, it's really tough. You say Sarasota. Where in Sarasota? Because fun fact, I am there right now. Oh, 
Oh, uh, we would go to the colony. It's no longer there anymore. But sure. yeah, that's where no, we're No, that's going. old school. I like it. We're on, I think, Lido Key is the name of the specific key that we're at now. So shout out to Sarasota as always. But no, I mean, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. You know, you play all the way through that first week of November here in 2022. And you end with a pretty good result, I would say, semifinals in Calgary. Let's just start there. Going into 2023, you know, how do you feel about your level? How do you feel about your game? Yeah, I think the last three months of the year, um, you know, I really showed myself, you know, what I'm capable of, put some matches together, kind of had a rough like year and a half with injuries on and off and um, just piecing things together. And I feel like I was finally physically confident uh, in myself and just, you know, i really loved the way I was playing and putting matches together. And I just want to build on that um, for 2023. Um, you know, I also saw the importance of having a coach, whether it's tennis or a fitness coach with me there. So once again, trying to put that together, it's definitely not easy, but just valuing that support system. And I feel like if I can have that, um, you know, say half of the time or more than half the time, then, you know, you know, hopefully looking for some more good results next year. Mm -hmm. You mentioned all the injuries. I'm always curious, what's the most difficult part in working your way back from those injuries and refinding your form? Now, it's not comparable between the two of us because on the binary system, you're a one, I'm a zero. But I noticed the moment I stopped playing, it's like, the hips are never coming back. I'm the anti Shakira now. They lie all the time. I'm not changing direction. You know, for you in that comeback process, you mentioned it slowly but surely, you know, quarterfinals turn into semifinals. You were able to obviously win a 25K title this season as well, get to the final in Reading too. What is that, you know, what comes back first? What is that process like in regaining your best form? No, it takes a long time. Um, just the confidence, confidence in your body, confidence in yourself. Um, like I said, like I had flare ups throughout the year and it was just, it would come out of nowhere and then you, you're just concerned about it. And um, just knowing how long it takes for your mind and your body to get back to where you need it to be. And some, you know, I'm at fault for sometimes rushing that process because I want to get back out there. And I, and I did that and hopefully I'll learn this time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about confidence and just getting a match under your belt, two, three, and just also the travel on top of it. Once you're injured, you know, you're home for a little bit and then you get back on the road and it's just, it becomes a lot. It's just, it all adds up. So, um, yeah, the confidence is a huge thing. So in that note of confidence, given the history that you have with this player, the win over Robin in Reading. Like that's got to be the booster, right? The three sets there and just kind of getting back to a couple of finals in a short stretch. That one feel good. Yeah, that did that. Oh my God. That was such a roller coaster. And I also like, I kind of re-injured myself a little bit during that match, but I stayed so calm and I, I don't know. I just went like, you know, autopilot in a way or like, you know what, we're going to get through this. And also just being in that position before we're like okay I know what this feels like I can push through I'm okay um but that was a huge win and once again I really loved how I was playing how I competed and how much fight I had in myself yeah no I mean anyone who's watched you play obviously knows you are tenacious out on court you're gonna go after it point in point out uh, I'm curious again you've now been on tour for what almost like eight years nine or 
eight. I'm trying to think 2015 doing quick math. That's seven years. So we'll try that again. It's not right. that old. Uh, not yeah, that old yet. Say, I'll, I'll get there eventually. Don't worry. It's still warming up here in this interview. But, you know, again, that week in, week out grind. How long did it, and I, I know you've had some injuries disrupt things as well, but how long does it take to get comfortable going from city to city or going from, you know, say in your instance, obviously blue chip recruit, top player, class of 2013 in high school, shout out to us, uh, but someone who, you know, went what, 84 and nine in your college career, nine losses over the course of 24 months is not a lot of losing either. How long does it take to acclimate not only to the week to week grind, but being like, you know what, I went two and one this week, but that's honestly a really good week. Yeah, that took me a while to kind of reframe my mindset um, of kind of what success looks like and what the week to weeks look like. Because as a junior and as a college player, like I, I didn't experience losing so frequently, and um, it, it was tough. Um, and I think like the first two years on tour, like I was so eager and like going to all these places that you know you have this adrenaline rush, and still like I was doing really well, but for like four years I was I was struggling a bit and like you know had these expectations and I feel like other people had these expectations of me and it was it was tough and it's just like you know realizing that you're basically losing every single week unless you're winning the tournament (laughs) and you know trying to make quarters each week like that's a good result and like instead of you know always being in the final and it, it, it was a lot and um, a lot of pressure and um, still like I have very high expectations for myself but I've learned to kind of deal with that in a better way and define success a little bit differently and know that even if it takes someone else maybe x amount of months or years to achieve a goal like it might take me a different time frame timeline and that's okay because I'm on a different path and you know what I'm doing is unique to whatever, what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's so fascinating to me, that tug of war between knowing, because again, looking back and I'm a nerd, so I still remember 2012, right? Shout out to Colette Lewis, who is monitoring when you're winning a couple of 10 K events and you're I having love Colette. Yeah. go way back. I the love goat, her. the goat, no doubt mm-hmm. about that. And you know, you right away, even before going to college, you have some pro success. And I think the number is 12 and two back in 2012, which by the way, Hey, great shot to you. Not too shabby. Um, I know, you know, not to get too philosophical here, but that defining of success is fascinating to me because, you know, again, coming out of college, you're an NCAA champ, and I'm sure you see some of your peers now, even Danielle's made a Grand Slam final, Jennifer Brady's made a Grand Slam final, people who, with all due respect, you were Dustin back in the day. And so I'm, I'm curious, again, what that tug of war is like, how you go about redefining success in your head, how difficult that must be. Yeah, well, that that's taken a lot of time. And uh, shout out to therapy for helping. <laughs> <laughs> therapy has helped in so many ways. But seriously, that that has helped me and helped me grow and helped me, you know, understand, like, once again, like I am more than who I am as a tennis player, like there's so many more layers to myself. And I think a lot of athletes and tennis players can relate to the identity crisis. And that kind of ties into success and how you define yourself and your self worth. And I think for me, finding success, like each day, like, you know, 
what am I doing to get better? Not only as a tennis player, but as a person and applying that to everything that I'm doing. And I'm able to handle that pressure better and view myself differently and not define my success based off of, you know, winning a match, winning a tournament. Like there's so many steps and just trusting that I'm going to get to where I want to be, you know, one day and I'm not going to put that time frame and time constraint that I always have. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's fascinating to hear. And with that in mind, quick tangent, because, of course, I did some Twitter searching, had to go back and bring out the good tweets. Winning a WDA 250 or the hair commercial, which would be the bigger success for you at this point? <laughs> You're really putting me on the spot for this. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's tough. I mean, look, I, God it's willing, tough. there's nothing as, as a balding Jewish man. There's nothing I would like more at this point than to be asked to do a hair commercial because that would be the peak for me. But the problem is for me, it'd be like hymns, like go from this hairline to that hairline. So yours is a little more voluminous. You know, I think maybe I can make more money off of the commercial. <laughs> Somehow. I'm telling you, this has been a dream of mine for like, ages now people that know me they know i talk about this i just have so much hair and i just you know just put me in a commercial do whatever but like you know i just want to be in a commercial um i guess that's my answer right there (laughs) that plays i'll talk to my guy at l'oreal we'll see what we can get done uh yeah to to work that around but no i mean again these you know moving pillars of success and for you and I say this with all affection, but you're kind of in that vomit zone, right? Where it's like 150 to 250. And I just want listeners to know I received an eye roll there from Jamie that just said, yeah, Alex, I fucking know I'm in the vomit zone. You don't have to tell me. So let the record show if this was a video podcast, you all would have seen that. But I mean, again, not to keep reiterating this theme, and I know injuries have played a role, but like – I. At some point, you just look at it and you say, okay, how do I get to this next step? What is the next thing for me? And, you know, again, there you can only hit so many forehands, so many backhands, and I've seen you play tennis. Listeners, she's very, very good. Um, I'm just curious, is, at that level, is it mental? Like, what's the difference between 75 and 175? You know, on the women's side, there's not much of a difference. Um, you know, I would say in the key moments, uh, small opportunities on court, whoever can, you know, really nail down those moments and, you know, execute that make that, you know, that kind of shows in the level and the difference. But I would say a lot of it too is the resources, you know, financially. I think that's a huge role. Um, having access, having a coach, having a support team with you most of the time. I'm not saying for everyone, but for me, that's a huge, that I see the difference in that and see how helpful it is. But unfortunately I can't, I can't do that all the time. And so it's not like I'm cutting corners, but in a way I'm just trying to maximize my resources that maybe other girls have and have more accessibly. Um, but I definitely think that's a huge part of it. Um, and yes, staying healthy is a big thing. Um, and then, yeah, just also emotionally being emotionally stable week after week, the grind, the travel and, um, yeah. And just really, you know, taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You talk about those resources. I always think that's fascinating. That decision to travel with a coach or the decision, you know, again, 
where you're training, what what week by week is looking like, where you're, you know, getting food and all of these different things. I do feel like that's got to be the toughest part about becoming a pro, right? And I'm curious in your experience, I'm sure it helps to have, you know, Chapel Hill to turn to at times, but how have you gone about organizing those sorts of things? I know you spent time at McEnroe when you were younger, I'm sure, you know, coming out of college, maybe the USTA might have offered a little bit of something, but what does that process look like? You know, the the ugly side of tennis, finding a sponsor, finding the resources. I feel like that's the part no one sees that's miserable. Oh, yeah. And I am in the thick of it right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is exhausting. I, I take on every role and I'm just the type of person I like to kind of have that control in a way like I want the I want the power of my tennis but at the same time it would be so helpful to have that help and have someone that can just take something off of your shoulders like you know us you know having a, a, a financials like sponsor um someone to just organize my practices because you know I so I trained the Carrie Leeds Tennis Center um in the South Bronx and my coach Jay like I've been with him since I was eight years old like I was with him eight to 15 then we stopped working with each other. And then last year I called him up. I'm like, I need you. But like we talk, we would still talk all the time. But unfortunately, he's not always able to give me the time that I need. And, you know, he has kids, he has a family, he has the kids here. So it's, it's tough. And then, you know, my fitness trainer is in Virginia. And then I work with another fitness trainer um, closer to my parents house in Westchester so it's like I'm all over the place like, I'm piecing it together and it's so tiring and coordinating schedules coordinating my schedule coordinating my tournament schedule am I gonna get into this do I go and risk going all the way across the world or do I stay here like it's just there's so many things I'm trying to figure out on a daily basis and it is like exhausting but like the biggest thing is just I always look back I'm like okay what's financially feasible that's not always the best option but like I have to you know I it, I just have to you know make sure I can do it and it's a huge stressor and a huge weight that's always kind of been on my shoulders and granted I've had help throughout the years but you know in recent times it's it hasn't really been there and it's really hard to ask people for money um but like I look I will hype up anybody else like I am your number one hype girl like you know but when it comes to myself it, it's really hard and it's yeah it, it's just a stressful like day-to-day -day lifestyle where like you know you have to tackle on everything and you don't really have much guidance of what is the right way what is the wrong way what do I do? Because everyone's path is unique and different. And like, I've had to figure all of it out on my own. And yeah, I've, I've really had to grow up fast. Um, in a way, I'm thankful because, you know, of the opportunities and experience I have had and continue to have and make, but it is tiring. Just yeah. stay 
through all of that. I mean, everyone else is going to be exhausted just hearing that. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm stressed right now. And not to go back to the hair well, but like that you have a full head considering the stress you're dealing with. Bravo to you. Like, again, it just keeps on very, growing very, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, with that in mind, and again, you talk about everyone's pathway being different. I know obviously you had had plenty of success at the junior level and certainly had some pro success prior uh, to heading to college and I'm sure the idea of turning professional right away was something you considered in the moment but and I know you've touched on this before what ultimately brings you to North Carolina is it a decision of my game's not ready is it a decision of maybe the resources aren't there in the moment what leads you to make that choice to go play college tennis as opposed to say you know turning pro right away you know look I had the option and opportunity to turn pro straight from juniors and obviously it's a huge family decision to make and my parents are like no we want to go to college which honestly is the best decision ever because we can't afford a college scholarship and I you know I value education my parents do my family does so you know best decision ever made go to college and yeah it just gives me time to mature a little bit um you know also like kind of have a little bit of normalcy with a social life be supported have teammates camaraderie like kind of be in a very safe bubble which tennis you don't you don't have a safe bubble <laughs> as a professional like there's nothing safe about that so just having this kind of like comfort zone this place where you can get better you have the resources education all that like you know was great and I I love Chapel Hill like I mean so much school pride it's just through the roof um and well yeah and also people sometimes like oh like why Chapel Hill and I was like you know I absolutely love the coaches there the people my teammates are my best friends like I don't know. It just shows me to this day that I made the best decision because I go back there and I feel like I never left and I feel so loved and so supported. And I want to try to make that a base for myself. Um, once again, there's still some logistical issues with that, but I just, I just love the feeling whenever I go back there. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, I have to know because I love them. I've gotten to spend far too much time than probably he would like with him over the course of the past four or five years. But Brian Calvis walks into your living room. What's the reaction of the Loeb family? What's the first reaction to meeting Brian? Because I would just love to see him in recruiting pitch mode. It's got to be fun. Oh, Brian, absolutely love the guy. <laughs> my, my parents love him and thank him so much for everything he's done for me and just the support that he's always given me and shown me um yeah I mean you know you can picture Brian with his like little stance and like you yeah. know hands in his armpits and like you know just trying to talk and kind of like spitballing like a million things at you but it's just like yeah, it was just like it's Brian like <laughs> you know he's just such a harmless guy he just he's so nice so passionate cares so much about the team the culture but more importantly he, he just cares about you as a person and that's also something on tour where I don't feel where most people, most coaches, they don't look at you as a person. You're like you're a tennis player, you're a robot, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. But like, you know, he cares about you as a person and he recruits, you know, great people. Um, and, you know, I think he has done such an amazing job with the program and I'm so happy to see all the success, but 
he's just, I don't know. It's just, he's such a great guy. He is the best. He's literally just the kindest guy in the world. I can't see him chewing anyone out. That said, there has to be a good Coach Calvis story where you guys managed to, dare I say, piss him off just enough that you pushed him over the edge, right? Like he can get angry, can he? He can. He can. It, <laughs> it takes a, it takes a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I can push people's buttons. I don't <laughs> think there's been a time where like we've really gone at it, except there's one time I strongly disagreed with what he was telling me to do on court. <laughs> like one time on my serve, he was like telling me to land. I think he was like on my right foot. And I was like, looked at Brian. I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean land on my right foot? And the way he was demoing it, I was like, what is going on? I mean, yes, he, he is a good coach. I'm going to say that this was just an off chance I don't know what he was telling me but I was like seriously I was like what are you doing and we like disagree and then he's like yeah yeah yeah, you're right I was like I don't know what you're doing right now but there is no I would never intentionally bother him I mean from time to time I'll call him up and every time I call him up he he knows it's kind of like a therapy session in a way (laughs) he's like what's wrong Mm -hmm. um but no it takes a lot to really piss Brian off. Yeah, I'm again, someday I'll manage to accomplish it. Right now, we're still in the honeymoon phase four years later. But at some point, I'm sure I'll say something where he's like, Alex, <laughs> come on now. Uh, but with that in mind, let's just get right into it. Better team, 2014, 2015 UNC. Oh, man. These are the I'm... tough questions you knew you were going to have to answer here today. Oh, God. Um, and for listeners that don't know, I'll filibuster for you. 2013, 14, it's, you know, North Carolina gets a really good recruiting class. Jamie Loeb, decent player, but they get Haley Carter stud. Um, just kidding. Obviously both exceptional. Um, and you, Hey, (laughs) yeah. And you know, that first year you guys go 29 and six, but you reach the NCAA final and, you know, an incredible four, three match against UCLA. One of the better matches we've seen in the past decade in college tennis, Really good team, 29 and six. The next year, though, 2015, you guys go 30 and two. And obviously, you win the national indoors. I've got it on my shirt. Shout out to the 2015 title, second in program history. You win an NCAA singles title. Uh, But obviously, you guys fall to UCLA in the quarterfinals. Now, just happen, you know, you go back and you look at those UCLA teams and you see Brady and you see Anderson, Van Wynn, just Harrison, loaded, loaded rosters across the board. So I ask again, filibuster aside, 14 or 15, um, who you're taking? I think 2015, because 2014, we were just the underdogs and everything. And I think we didn't truly believe we can make it as far as we did. Um and I think 2015, we had more confidence. And also, I think people maybe started to respect us a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I have I have nightmares, you know, <laughs> playing against UCLA. It's it's tragic. I mean, I, I went to the, the championship soccer match, the women's soccer match uh, a couple weeks ago when I was in Chapel Hill. The women were playing against UCLA at home and for the title and they're up. 2-0, then 2-1 with 16 seconds left, and then they ended up losing, and I was like, this is just, this is just like a nightmare. Like, I, me and UCLA, like, I can't. Um, so, I'll go with 2015, but I love my 2014 girls. I don't know. 2015. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're both good teams, no doubt yeah. about that. I mean, 
So that that 14 run, you talk about it being just essentially – it felt like it was a freebie, right? Like you go through and, you know, to beat Stanford 4-3 in the semifinals, I'm sure that was insane. And, you know, to be in Athens for that event. What's that first NCAA tournament uh, run like? And you sort of mentioned it. I know Coach Calvis had had success prior to you arriving. Obviously, the 2013 National Indoor Champs, a testament to that. But – was it fun being the hunters? Because now you look at North Carolina and it's like there is always the target on their back. Did you not feel that target in 14? Definitely not. Um, once again, I feel like, you know, a lot of the schools didn't really respect us, you know, as much as they do now. And I, like I said, I think, you know, we were just kind of, we were hunting everyone else and little by little just chopping away. And we were so, so close. But yeah, I think just, you know, yeah, it was just kind of like we we didn't have that pressure. Like I think, you know, UNC does now. And each year after I'm like, all right, they're going to win the title. They're going to win the title. <laughs> like the team just gets keeps getting better and better and better. And I'm like, all right, like 2023, like this has to be the year. This just, It just has to be. I agree. I mean, I, I also say, though, that 2020 North Carolina deserves at least half a ring because I was at that national indoor and like they were so much better than the rest of the field. It was just like Alexa, Sarah, McKenna, uh, you know, Scotty, Mora. It was just it was clicking on all. So, see, I can still go through the lineup if you want me to. Um, and <laughs> it was just like they killed UCLA in the national indoor final. And so I always say they deserve to put a banner up 2020 asterisk and then send me an asterisk ring as well. Cause that's as close as I'll get to an NCAA title. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You get to re-experience the joy of beating Christy Christian number one player for Stanford in the semifinals, but you have to do the final match the next day as well. Would you replay those two days? And I just like, what is it like to go from four, three thriller to four, three thriller? The body's just dead afterwards, right? Oh yeah. I was also, I was so exhausted for NCAAs. <laughs> and on top of it, when we lost in the finals, our assistant coach, Sarah, who is now the head coach of UVA, or she Sarah told O'Leary, us for our listeners. Yes. Yep. She, um, she told us that she was going to be leaving and we were just devastated. And she, is that when she took the, I don't know which, um, Davidson? I think she was done, went to Davidson, head coach. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it was a roller coaster of emotions, like such a high, such a low. Then like the next day after that, having to play individuals. Um, but yeah, shout out to Christy. She, she's one of my close friends. And um, But that match against Stanford is probably the most memorable match of my career at UNC. That's a great one, right? And what's it like? I mean, for those that don't know, six seven six zero six zero, not the worst. A little double bagel and sets two and three. I mean, what's going through your head in those moments? Talk me through it. Yeah, that's a match I'll never forget. I remember at three all in the first set, I look at the scoreboard and I go, "I'm like, the match is going to come down to me." Like at that <laughs> early on. Also, we were having like such long games, but I was like, "It's going to come down to me." Um, I lost the first at seven, six and I go to Sarah and I'm like, I'm going to win this match. Yeah. And like, I just went tunnel vision mode. Like nothing could bother me. I, I, yeah, tunnel vision. Um, I know Christy was getting tired and, you know, I think I won this either. I was like about to win the second set and that's like when the match is coming down to me. Um, and then I started off the third set with a point penalty because 
Tessa, who is my best friend, uh, she was playing up top and she got a point penalty at the end of like her match. So that transferred to my match. I wasn't phased whatsoever. I was like, sure, why not bring it? Like I, I was just a different animal and so calm and I, I, I enjoyed it so much. Like you wouldn't think that, you know, you'd be enjoying a very stressful match um, like that. My teammates just on the sideline, it was just, it was incredible. And we wanted to beat Stanford so badly and just to, to do that and do it for coach Calbus as well was just incredible. And, um, but yeah. And then the next day, you know, I, I, I don't think we fully believed that we were going to be UCLA. Like we, we knew we were very good and that we had a chance, but like, I don't think we went into it that like, we're going to win this. And like, we were so close. And then I don't know, for some reason I wasn't able, I was never able to beat Robin and win the doubles. Anytime we played UCLA in a dual match is. I mean, people forget how freaking good Rob, I mean, I don't think they've forgotten. Some may have forgotten how good Robin was. And just, you know, that era of college tennis in general, yourself and Haley and Robin, Jennifer, Danielle, and everyone at Stanford. I'm like looking at the Stanford lineup now. I'm like, Caroline Doyle played six on that. I'm like, how is that possible? That does not. Carol Zhao played three. Yeah, that's a a joke. And I'm looking at the name Krista Hardebeck, which I haven't thought of in like half a decade. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she could ball back in the day. And I'm curious, again, you talked about making that decision to go to North Carolina and you see, obviously, the, you know, Chapel Hill, which I've been to. It's Ann Arbor of the South. Not, you know, not quite as good as Ann Arbor, but don't 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 compare UNC to Michigan. It's, it's my frame of reference. It's all I've got. Uh, it's a little too much driving for me. That's the problem. It's a little too spread out. Like, you know, Michigan's a little more walkable. Anyways, um, maybe that's the dig Coach Calvis will get angry at me for. But, yeah, go to Michigan, folks. Um, the reason I bring that up, that era of college tennis is loaded. And, obviously, you know, there are names I forgot. Louisa over at Pepperdine. And you can go all over the place. Talk to me about the quality of college tennis in that moment. Did you feel after turning pro 2015 that your, you know, prepared your level was ready for the pro tour? Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's so many names, the list goes on and on that played college tennis and such a great caliber of girls. And I think, you know, we all pushed each other as well, you know, and fighting for spots in the lineup as well. Um, So yeah, it was was a great era, I will say. Um, and I think from a tennis standpoint, that was the right time for me to go. You know, I, to this day, I'm like, ah, part of me wishes I would have stayed just because like how safe and comfortable and how much I love UNC and my teammates and the coaches there and just how enjoyable it is. Cause all you have to do, you're just, you're just playing tennis. You're, you're going to school, playing tennis, hanging out. Like you don't have to worry about life and your career and finances like it's just it's all there for you um but from a tennis standpoint that that was the right time for me to go and I I wouldn't wouldn't have changed that I just wish that I was able to be pro but then also like 
live in that bubble at the same time. So it's amen. I, I completely agree with you. I always get to say I get to be a grown up child because I still get to cover all of the tennis and travel around and be on these college campuses. And I won't lie. There are times I think to myself, well, like, all right, you have until 2025 because then you're 30 and then it becomes a little bit weird where you're like texting Fiona Crawley, like, hey, great result today, person who's younger than my younger brother. Um, and so that's where things get a little bit funky. But no, I, I completely agree with you there. And again, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I do have a, a, a rapid fire list of fun questions for you here. So uh, let's rock and roll. You talk about obviously the time you spent at Chapel Hill. I meant to include this in the intro. Unforced error by me. Jamie Loeb, college graduate. What did that mean to you to go back, be able to finish your degree? How cool was that? Oh my God, that's honestly the best moment of my life, equivalent to me winning the uh, NCAA championship. I, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I am so proud of myself for doing that. And when I left school in 2015, I promised Brian, I was like, I am going to go back and finish my degree. It's important to me. I wanted it for him because at the time, no one has ever transferred. He didn't have anyone not finish their degree from Carolina. And I was like, I'm not going to be that person. And I am not that person. So I made it a point to, to do that. So during this time, as I've been on tour, I've been taking classes and I've been honestly able to take the most classes during the past two years because of COVID. Um, they offered remote classes, which are different than their online classes, because I would have had to go back and finish in person. Um, so the only good thing that came out of COVID were these classes I was able to take. And I, you should, you should have seen me. I had some mandatory zoom lectures. I was like in Czech Republic right after a three set loss I'm going and I'm like zooming into this lecture. Like it was crazy. Um, but then I would tell my professors, I'm like, Hey, like I kind of have a unique situation. Can you help me out? <laughs> um, so I didn't have many, many uh, mandatory lectures, but the ones I did, I, I attended. Um, <laughs> anyways, back to, back to the question. Um, yeah, it means a lot. And I, so a couple, a few weeks ago, I made it back to Chapel Hill to do training. And the reason why, the main reason why I was there was to go and physically walk at graduation because, I, I wanted that moment in tennis. You don't get to celebrate your wins really at all because you always have a tournament the next week. And this is an accomplishment that just meant so much to me. And I wanted to take the time to really soak it in and to just celebrate and celebrate myself for, for doing it and for persevering and to, you know, holding up to everything I said I was going to do and be around the people that have supported me throughout this entire time, it was just such a full circle moment. And yeah, just super, super exciting. And, you know, yeah, just, I'm happy to say I'm finally a college graduate. Well deserved. Congratulations to you. I gave you, I didn't say it in the moment, but there's going to be a sound effect of a round of applause when I bring it up. So know that it was a well-deserved mm -hmm. round of applause with that in mind though, the UNC Mount Rushmore, UNC women's tennis, Four faces are going on that Mount Rushmore. Who does Jamie Lope pick? Um, I'll pick you so that it's done. Three more faces. Go. Haley Carter. I agree. Um, I've got two this, more in mind. Is this men and women or just no, women? Just women. Who cares about the men? Yeah, who cares? Whatever. Will's <laughs> yeah, like, congrats, Will. You had a really good career. You're on yeah. the face, but let's move on. Okay. 
Haley, Fiona is crushing it. She I was going to say, it. if they win in 2023, I'm saving the fourth face for her. So that's, yeah, that's in my queue. I'm curious who your last one's going to be because I think I have the answer. Um, okay, how much time do I have on this? Yeah. Oh, you've got, for the record, I'm doing nothing today. So you've got all the time um, in the world. Um, um, I'd go Sarah, Sarah Davitella, obviously, because shout out to Michigan always, but also like, I don't think she ever lost. Like, I have never seen Sarah lose. Like, I just, I'll definitively for for the rest of my life remember National Indoors, the Texas match, 2021. They dropped the doubles point. And when it was like, all right, Sarah and Alexa are going to win in about an hour. So just like, it's 2 1. We've got two points on the board. We got to find two more. And like, all due respect, don't get mad at me, Alexa, but I think it's got to be Sarah probably. Ooh, this is a tough. Yeah, between like, her, Alexa, McKenna, because McKenna yeah. won doubles Another, with Scotty. A very good one. Oh, one boy. of them has to be up there. Uh, just that I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh my we'll put, god. We'll put just class of twenty twenty one and just like Perfect. yeah, exactly. We'll put a twenty one as the final face. That that works for me as well. Um, <laughs> all right. We're again we're jumping all over the place. More impressive New York State title. You or Jenna? Jenna, because Jenna won states on a sprained ankle. <laughs> Jenna won states three times to my one time. Shout out to you, you really doing your research here. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. but <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, shout out. Yeah, there's many J. Loeb titles, but the Jenna Loeb one was more impressive, you're saying? Yeah, and she and she had three to to my one. Yeah, weak. So, Come on, you're better. Yeah, you, get, you still go back, get that degree too, and just do all the things. Um, All right. Do you still have your $2 bill? I do have my $2 bill and it stays in my wallet all the time because I think it's very unique. It is. Do you, I would put it like under the shoe when I play a match. And that would be like my new good luck charm is I'd be riding with the $2 bill. I just I figured <laughs> I'd throw that uh, suggestion your way. Um, all right. We keep we keep rolling. Is 2023 the year for UNC? It is the year for UNC, and I'm going to manifest that because I truly <laughs> believe that, that that is the year for UNC, 100%. I like it. Are you going to come to NCAs in Orlando if you can? If I can. If I can. Um, I went for individuals um, when McKenna and Scotty won it, um, but I will I will do my best. If not, I will be streaming it because I stream all the big matches. I follow it. Um, also, yeah, like, back to when you were talking about Fiona, I also messaged her when she's been winning. Hopefully she's not like, oh, like Jamie, like <laughs> why is she messaging? No, she's, she's super sweet, but I'm so involved in all like the UNC sports. That's what I like to hear. No, I mean, it's, it should be a fun event. Oh, the answer was no. Cause you'll be at the French open, which like makes sense. So unfortunately you're not going to be able to be at NCAAs, but I, I mean, so <laughs> what's Jamie Loeb playing this year's roster? Are you behind Are you like five, six behind like Forbes, Crawley, Scotty, whomever? It's a freaking loaded team. I know. I, I want to go play them right now. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, no. These, these, these young ones are good, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, for the record, no, I think I still got them. I'm really happy you got competitive about that because that's the right answer is you should think uh, yeah. that you're playing number one. I like that. All right. What's the biggest misconception you think casual or hardcore tennis fans have about life on tour and life for the pros? That it's glamorous and that 
someone just magically pays for everything when I tell them, oh, like I have, you know, my coach here and I have, you know, I'm staying at a hotel, rental car. And they're like, oh, like, you know, who's paying for that? Like, you know, the the federation, the WTA, I love when they're like, oh, does WTA pay for that? And I was like, no, they don't. Um, and, and so everyone's like shocked that, you know, you're paying for everything. Yeah, no, it's again, that's that's the joy of becoming an adult. Last two questions for you. How do I become the keynote speaker for Jamie Loeb Day? Because for listeners that don't know, Jamie Loeb Day does exist now in one of those quaint New York towns. It does. It does exist. Um, I don't know. You need to t- talk to the, the mayor of Austin because she's the one that came out and declared it as Jamie Loeb Day. Um, but this ne- needs to be like a universal thing, not just in Austin. I think this just needs to be on the Apple calendar. <laughs> what is Jamie Loeb Day? Is that like the tubish vat of New York celebrations? <laughs> Um, I think it was when I, after I won NCAAs that, okay. that yeah, the mayor of, of Austin, where I'm from, wanted to recognize me and my accomplishments. And you, it, I think, is, is it August 2nd or August 3rd? I, I, I didn't have the day in front of me. That's what I was digging for because I was like, she has a day and I can't find it. I was like, I need it on the Apple calendar to your point <laughs> so, uh, so I can figure this out. But my final question for you not to get serious, but goals for 2023. Obviously, you're just outside the top 250, hopefully healthy again. What are you hoping to accomplish here in 2023? And what can we do as tennis fans to support you in those goals? Yeah, like you said, I think the biggest thing is staying healthy throughout the year. Um, You know, I think from a ranking standpoint, I would love to finish top 100. I've been saying that for the past five years now, and I feel like now is my time. Um, I just want to enjoy it. I just want to, you know, be, be happy um, and just really enjoy what I'm doing. Cause when I, when I'm happy, when I'm, you know, enjoying being out there and competing, like I'm, I play even better. And, you know, I just, I would love to, to continue doing that. And I, that's what also I was kind of doing the end of this, of uh, this year as well, just really enjoying being out there. So, yeah. And, you know, Everyone wants to follow along my journey. Um, it's a roller coaster and I play some stressful matches, but yeah, you know, just having some kind support because <laughs> as tennis players, we get a lot of hate mail and, uh, you know, everyone's quick to judge you. So yeah, just any support. I, no, I love it. You've got support, obviously, here at Cracked Rackets. I lied. Bonus question for you. A real Sophie's choice. You're in on your the U.S. Open on your own ranking. Main draw you're in. Or UNC wins the NCAA title in 2023. Because this is a tough one. This is the thinker. This is where we can end things. Oh, my God. I'm a pretty selfless person. <laughs> <laughs> and I want it so bad for UNC. But I also really want this badly for myself. These are two goals of mine. Yes. <laughs> um, it's it's a 1A, 1B scenario. We'll say US Open A, UNCB. Perfect. That's yes. what I'll go for. <laughs> okay, Final I'll answer. An- I'll answer the correct for what it's worth. So with all that said, Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Obviously wishing you success and health throughout 2023 and you know, don't be a stranger. You've always got an open invite here on the show. When UNC wins that title, we'll have you back on to celebrate. 
Oh, I can't wait. I'm ready for a part two. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, <laughs> take you. care, JVP. Safe, be healthy, and happy new year, of course, to you. You too.